Well, good morning, church. I thought I would come to you today from the peace of our garden on this Sunday morning. And um, we pray that you've had a good week, despite what is going on um, here in Vintuk, here in Namibia, and really all across the globe. And, um, you know, this morning I have a word that I really feel like the Lord has put on my heart to really encourage our hearts in this season. And I pray that you have your Bible with you, um, that you have a notebook with you. And, you know, it's always good to take notes because there might be something in whatever I say today or a scripture that we read that God and the Holy Spirit might be speaking right into your situation. And, you know, this is a time where we need the word of God to really speak to us. Amen. And um, so I pray that you will also have a look at our uh, sermon notes on Vision. There will be a link to those notes. We always try and, you know, get the notes for you you um, and to collate all the scriptures so that you can really do some study in the week after a Sunday service so that you can really um, cement that word into your heart and really let it speak to you meditate on it because that's what's going to make us strong and that's what's going to keep us steadfast in his word so that we can navigate these crazy seasons that we are currently in amen well, I pray that you have some coffee or a cup of tea, um, that you've got the kids ready. Maybe you were doing some worship before. We've got a playlist on uh, YouTube that you can listen to as you do your own worship before or after the service. And um, why don't I just pray for us this morning and then we'll get straight into the word of God. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this beautiful morning, Lord. We thank you that the sun, the sun is still shining, Father, and that you are still on the throne. And Lord, I just pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would really speak to us this morning. Lord, we are gathering online. We are gathering in homes. We are gathering in any way that we can still do because your word says that we should not neglect gathering together around your word. We should not neglect encouraging one another, singing hymns of praise and listening to your word and encouraging ourselves in your word. So this morning we pray that your spirit would just come and refresh our weary hearts. Lord, that the rivers of living water would just flood over us, flood over our souls, over our minds, over our hearts. Lord, and that your spirit would really speak to us in this season. Lord, we need a rhema word from you. We need a word for the week ahead. We need a word for the season ahead. Speak to us, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide every word that I speak this morning. And that our spirits will be open to receive from you. That our spiritual ears would hear and our spiritual eyes would see. We give you honor. We give you glory, Lord. We know that you are with us. Your word says that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. And so I just pray that every person watching, Lord, whether they are at home, at work, or wherever they are watching, if they are watching a replay of this sermon, Father, that they would feel and encounter your presence that they would sense that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is right there with them, Lord, is in their midst. We thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. So this morning, I really want to bring a word, as I said, that I really believe is going to encourage us in this season. And not just encourage, but really give us a supernatural boldness and courage to walk through this season. And you know, Johannes and I never try and do sermons that we download from the internet or that really sounds good or someone else has preached before. We really try and seek the Lord every single week for whatever it is that He wants to speak to us, that He wants to speak to us now, today. That's a rhema word. We call it a rhema word. Amen. And so you can turn this morning to Acts chapter 27. 
Um, this is a story that I've been journaling with or journeying with in the last two weeks and God has really been speaking to me through this in this season. And it's a story of the Apostle Paul. Now, two weeks ago when we had our last in-person service, we spoke about Acts 16 where Paul was actually in prison with Silas because they were preaching the gospel. And in prison, they started praising God and an earthquake came an earthquake came and they miraculously got set free from jail and God delivered them and it was this incredible miracle because they were praising God in a season where they were stuck where they were in jail and so the story continues with Paul and he keeps getting persecuted because he's doing the right thing he's doing what God has called him to do he's preaching the gospel and so this chapter is about Paul making a journey on sea from from Jerusalem where he was imprisoned again uh, to Rome in Italy where he had to go and appeal to Caesar for his case of why he's being jailed for preaching the gospel because really they had no solid accusation against him and so along with Luke, Luke was actually the person writing the book of Acts according to a lot of scholars and so we can see from Luke's writing that he was actually in the boat with Paul. He was on the ship along with all the other prisoners and they set sail along the coast of Asia and Luke gives an incredible detailed account. If you go and read through um, Acts chapter 26, 27 and 28, it gives a detailed account of how they were sailing towards Rome. And so they boarded this ship and they got to a place, the city called Myra, where they got into a, scholars believe it's one of those big container grain ships. Those kind of ships in those days were probably about 45 to 50 meters long. So these were not small boats. These were not small sail yachts. They were huge cargo ship and they sailed slowly with a lot of difficulty. If you read through the beginning of chapter 27, Luke describes how they were really sailing against the wind, how they were going through an uphill battle. They were going much slower than they expected. They were facing a lot of winds trying to get them off course that they were not expecting. It caused them to actually drift completely off the route that they were planning to go and the direction that they were supposed to be going. And the time it took was so much longer. The route that they were supposed to go were filled with so many detours. And I wonder, church, how many of us are in a season where we are believing that God has actually called us to go in this direction. He called us to go to the so-called Rome. Okay, we have a direction. We have a route, we have a map, we have a plan, but now we're facing an uphill battle. Now, all of a sudden, there's a storm coming up and the winds are forcing us to drift off course. And we feel like everything inside of us feels like this storm is going to derail us. It's going to get us off course. It's going to get us to a place where we are not going to get to the promised land. We are not going to get to the promise where God has called us. But I want to encourage your heart this morning, just like in this story, Paul was actually still going to the place where God called him to go. Amen. And so eventually Paul, who was a very experienced traveler at sea, we know this. He's been shipwrecked three times already. He's been imprisoned many times. He's been stoned. Okay. He warns the captain of the ship not to go the particular route that they want to go. There was a harbor where they could stop because they were entering a winter season. And this particular area, when you go and study this passage, we find out that scholars believe that during that time 
when it was approaching the winter season, it was actually becoming very, very dangerous for sailors to go and sail into these type of seas because the kind of winds and the kind of storms that would come up during winter would destroy them. So Paul, out of his experience, warns the captain and says to them, hey, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous to go into this season. And nevertheless, the captain decided this is not a place where they got to a certain harbor. This is not a harbor they want to stay in. It's boring. There's not a lot of things going on. Winter season is three months. So when all the sea navigation stops, wherever they stop at this time, they would have to stay there for three months. And the captain and all of those in charge just decided this is not what they want to do. So they ignored the apostle advice and they went ahead. And this is where they say the pawpaw hits the fan. So we're going to pick up the story in Acts 27 verse 13. And so you can follow along. I'm reading from the ESV translation. And it said, Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along to Crete, along close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the northeaster struck down from the land. Now, this type of wind, according to scholars, was an extremely dangerous wind. Okay, so now they're heading into the storm that Paul warned them about. And this type of wind appeared with sudden violent winds. Okay, we're not talking about the August winds here in Vintic. We're talking about a violent tornado, hurricane nature type of storm. So this is hectic. Now they go in and verse 15, it says, And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it. And we were driv driving along, verse 16, and running under the lee of the small island called Kauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. And after hoisting it up, they used support to, support to undergird the ship. And then fearing that they would run aground on Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Now, if you go and study the word Sirtis, that actually refers to a huge sandbank that was actually feared among sailors in those days. It was like that place where they called the graveyard of sail ships. So this was a place where they knew this was probably the most dangerous point on this journey. Those of you who know the Bermuda tri Triangle, it's the same type of thing. They feared and they knew that if they got caught in this area, they will not make it, they will surely die. The ship will shipwreck and they would lose their lives. Okay, so these people are really starting to fear. This is a hectic storm. Okay, and so verse 18, since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. So they started throwing things off board just to get the ship lighter, to try and survive. They are now in full-on panic mode. Okay, they're doing anything because they can see they are heading for total destruction. And it says, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. The tackle was actually the main beam that supported the mainsail. Okay, this is like ocean suicide for these guys. And they are experienced sailors. Remember, they know what they are doing. And if an experienced sailor starts to panic, who knows that you will start to panic as well. And verse 20, And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Okay, so they got to the point where the storm got so bad, they lost all of their natural plans, all of their natural ideas in their experience. 
They've never been in a storm of this nature, this violent, this crazy. And for these kind of guys to lose hope, this really says a lot about the kind of storm that they found themselves in. And it says here in verse 20, I want you to look at this. Neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Okay, why is that important? Because in those days they didn't have a compass. So sailors relied on the sun and on the stars to give them direction. Okay, so the clouds of the storm enabled them to not even see where they were going. Okay, so they were completely in the dark and they lost all hope. They are lost at sea. They are exhausted. They are winters. They are scared. They are fearful. And all of that, they lost all of their hope. They were at the complete mercy of the storm elements with no hope of surviving. And church, I want to ask this morning, I wonder whom of us are finding ourselves in a storm in this season where everything in the natural has been lost. You feel like you have been tossed back and forth with winds and just when you thought it was going better, just when you thought the wind was going to lie down, another storm comes, another wave comes and you go back and forth. You are wind tossed. You are starting to you know, make all the last natural plans that you can. You do whatever you have in your experience, in your knowledge. But at the end of the day, you still come to this place where the storm has not stopped and it feels like it's going to go on forever. If you are feeling like that this morning, I want to encourage you, you are not alone. I think so many people are finding themselves simultaneously in this storm. And I don't actually think, you know, in this season, I don't actually think it's even the virus itself that people are fearing the most. Yes, many of us are feeling scared that we don't want to get sick. You know, a lot of people are dying. There is a reality going on. But I think so many people are struggling in the storm because of the impact that this virus is causing. The impact of lockdown, the impact on the economy, the impact on businesses, the impact on our jobs, our finances, our children's education. Our normal day-to-day life has been disrupted in all kinds of ways. And I feel like every one of us here in Vintuk, for us, the reality is now Valfus Bay has been in the storm for longer than we have. And now we've got another storm coming. We are still in the thick of it. And everyone is kind of on the edge of their seats waiting to see what is the president going to say next week. A lot of people I know have come to me and have said that if we go on with lockdown in September, they will lose their jobs. They will have to close their businesses. So the climate that we are facing, I feel like is very much the climate that Paul and Luke and these guys on this ship were facing. And hope is diminishing. A lot of Christians are finding themselves asking questions, well, where is God in the storm? Why should I have hope? Why is nothing changing? Where are the miracles? Where are the promises of God when we need it the most? I read a quote on social media this week and I thought it was so heartbreaking and I read this as I was journeying with the Lord about this thing of this scripture that said when all hope was lost. And it's a restaurant here in Vintuk and they said, and they quoted this, they said, we've been trying hard to figure out what is the best way to go forward, how to get through, and this is what they wrote, how to get through this monster of a storm that keeps hitting us over and over again. And you know, what is a storm church? A storm is something that changes everything around us. It has elements of chaos, elements of fear, of uncertainty, of not knowing, of destruction. There is real loss. So, you know, we're not, 
we're not talking in our Christianese language of, oh, you know, just going through a rough time. There's real destruction, there's death, there's loss, there's a real reality when we look at the things in the natural. A storm is a crisis. This is a definition that one pastor gave. A crisis, a temporary convergence of natural elements reacting to and affecting the environment, impacting the normal course of life. A collision of known elements in unexpected ways. A testing of tradition by the unexpected. Who feels like tradition has been tested in this season? I mean. But I want to encourage you, church, and I want to speak a word this morning that I really pray would speak deep into your spirit this morning. And I pray that you will hear with your spirit. In the middle of the storm, in Acts 27, when all hope was gone, where the vision of the sun was gone, when the vision of the stars were gone, all direction was gone, the clouds were too thick, God reveals Himself. Listen to this as we go back to Acts 27. Go back to verse 21. And it says, since they had been without food for a long time. Now, by this time, it's two weeks. Okay, 14 days, the Bible says that they were in the storm. That's a long time, unless you are fasting with a purpose. It's a long time to be without food. Okay, and I actually believe, and a lot of scholars believe that they were not on a fast. Okay, they were not, not eating because of any spiritual reason. It was completely voluntary because of the anxiety that they were feeling, because of the fear you know, I had anxiety for a very, very long time. And I can tell you that the last thing you want to do or the last thing you can do when you have anxiety is eat because it's like your stomach is constantly in a knot. I cannot describe it to anyone. If you've never had anxiety, you can thank God for that. It's an absolute fear that consumes you on the inside. It makes you sick. Okay, it makes you sick from the inside. These people have been tossed by the wind. Okay. Um, I just get a little seasick when I go onto a little bit of a boat with a little bit of a swell. These were hurricane force winds. Okay, they thought they were going to die. They couldn't eat. They lost their appetite in the storm. And Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and injured, incurred this injury and loss. I wonder if Paul was kind of enjoying this moment of, Hey, I actually did tell you so. <laughs> but I believe that he didn't have a heart of, you know, judging them because they didn't listen. Okay, so he goes on and he says in verse 22, Yet now, okay, despite the storm, I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. So he starts prophesying into the storm. For this very night stood before me an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God, and it will be exactly as I have been told. I want you to pay attention. I want you to highlight. I want you to write down. I want you to print out. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your mirror. Put it wherever you need to, wherever you're going to see it every day. Verse 25. The New Living Translation says, So take courage. Church, take courage this morning. For I believe God. It will be just as He said it will be. Okay, church, here's the lesson. God speaks to us prophetically before a storm. Okay, if you are a child of God, 
God will always give you a word. He will always give you hope. He will always give you an anchor to hold on to. Okay, the key and the lesson when we navigate these storms of life is, are we going to remember what he told us before the storm? Okay, this is what Paul did. Okay, what has God been sharing with you before the storm? Remember, Paul had a word from the Lord. An angel came and he spoke to Paul when Paul was in prison and said that you will go to Rome. You will testify in Rome. So he knew that Rome was a destination he had to get to. What he didn't know is how he was going to get there. And he didn't know that he was going to go through a storm, through a detour, through a delay, through a different route to get to the, des the destination. And, you know, I look at our situation. You know, Johannes and I had a word. We had more than one word. We had so many prophetic words about coming to Namibia, leaving South Africa, coming to plant a church in 2020. Okay, the year of storms, the year of uncertainty, the year of chaos. Okay, was the chaos, COVID, this whole situation a surprise to the Lord? No. Did God send us into the storm? I believe yes. Do I know why? No. <laughs> okay, but this is, where, this is where our faith journey comes in. And I want to ask you this morning, what is it that the Lord spoke to you before the storm hit? What did the Lord speak to you in 2019? What did the Lord speak to you before you head into this year? Okay, when we have a word from the Lord, we have to hold on to that thing. And the story continues of how Paul ministered to them. He was encouraging them to eat some food, okay? And then he blessed the food, if you read further in, in Acts 27, and he gave thanks to God in front of all of them. So in the storm, God is even using him to minister. The Bible says that there were 276 people on that ship. Okay, in 14 days of storm, Paul emerged even as a prisoner, as a leader in the storm. And God spoke to him and God gave him a word to encourage 275 other people in the midst of a violent storm. And so they started to, the Bible says that they were actually encouraged and they ate something and they strengthened themselves again. One man with faith strengthened an entire ship of unbelievers because he trusted in the Lord. Amen. And so they started to empty the ship. They threw all of what the wheat, this was a grain ship, so all the wheat, which was basically their income, it was their livelihood, it was everything that they needed to transport to Rome. They threw everything out in the ocean, whatever they could to lighten the load. It was the last income source they had. And they threw everything overboard, desperate for survival. And the ship shipwrecked. It broke. Okay. And they were stranded on the island of Malta. And so I just find this story fascinating. And I find this story so encouraging for this season. And there's really a couple of lessons that I feel like God is teaching us in this season about storms. Not just about the reality of storms and that we will always face storms in our Christian journey. But how to soar above it how to find ourselves in a place where we don't lose hope. And even if we do and we find ourselves coming to the end of it, how do we rise above it? Okay, how do we take courage in the middle of the storm when everything is literally breaking? It's not just metaphorically, everything is breaking from your bank account to everything that you know in your natural life, in your order, in your routine is breaking. But God is saying, 
take courage. Take courage. And so I want to I share with you four lessons this morning that God has been teaching me about storms in this season. All right, so the first lesson I feel like God has been teaching me in this season about storms is this. Number one, storms are guaranteed if you are a child of God. And I think sometimes we live in this reality that we think that, you know, when I give my heart to Jesus, everything is just going to be smooth sailing. Everything is going to be perfect all the time. And I think that's such a wrong perception. And I think anyone who's walked any amount of time with the Lord will know that that is not the truth. Okay, Jesus said the following, John 16 verse 33. He said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. And in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. But take heart. Another translation says, take courage, for I have overcome the world. And so church, I really want to encourage us. There is a reality, and I think the sooner we can make peace with this fact, we can then start to move through storms and navigate storms from a place of peace, knowing that we can have courage, that Jesus promised that even though we will have trouble in this world, we need to take courage because he has already overcome the world. Amen. And how many times in this scripture and go and look at all the accounts in the New Testament of storms where he said to them, and even in the Old Testament, how many times did he speak to Moses and Joshua and David? And he said to them, take courage. Okay. Be full of courage. Do not be afraid. How many times does God say in the Bible, do not be afraid? I think it's once, um, it's 365 times. So you have a scripture of do not be afraid every single day. Okay, storms come to everyone. And I think sometimes as Christians, we live in a place where we think when I go through a storm, I must have done something wrong. Well, that's not always the truth. What did Paul do wrong? He was actually in God's perfect will. He was preaching the gospel. He was obeying the word of God for his life and he got thrown into prison. Here's the reality, church. We are, as living word, a kingdom community. We are pursuing the kingdom of God in everything that we do with our entire lives. Johannes and I moved up. We packed. We left countries. I left all my family behind, left the job. You know, you know the story. And we did it because we believe in the kingdom of God that has to be advanced. Okay, there is a mission that God has called us to on this earth. Paul was on a mission. Was it hard? Yes. Was there persecution? Yes. Does everyone's persecution look the same? No. But will we all go through storms? Absolutely. Jesus promised it. So I don't think we should live under any false reality that things will always be smooth just because we are a child of God. Amen. When we advance the kingdom and we move in God's will for our lives, there will always be opposition. Look at how this journey started. Luke said we were going uphill. Okay, we were going against the wind. When we first got here, we didn't expect, we expect, you know, we did expect that there would be battles and there would be, you know, opposition. But for example, when we started looking for a building to try and host church services in, we didn't expect that it was going to take us literally almost a year to find a building. And some people looked at that and they thought, oh, they must have maybe missed God's word. Maybe it wasn't the time to plant a church. Maybe it wasn't the call of God to plant a church. But no church, look at them. They faced opposition because they were advancing the kingdom of God. 
And I believe the key in kingdom living, you know, we've been preaching about the kingdom. And so we need to always keep our hearts and mind fixed on how does it work in the kingdom of God? It's not the same as in our natural world. And a key to kingdom living is understanding that there are storms, but learning how to navigate them. What did Jesus promise? He said that he will be with us. In Matthew 28, when he gave the Great Commission, he said, Behold, lo, I am with you always. Amen. Storms are seasoned, seasonal, and every storm has to pass. Every storm has to pass. No storm will linger forever. Okay, in Genesis, it says that there is seed time and harvest time. There is a season in Ecclesiastes 3 that says there is a season for everything. Amen. There is always a spring after winter. The key is how are we going to outlast the storms? Number two, storms create an opportunity for supernatural encounters. Okay, and this is something that I'm beginning to learn and that I am really trusting the Lord for in this season, as I'm sure all of us are. Often in times, in the extreme moments of crisis, is when God's power is truly and fully revealed to us. And you know, when this first lockdown hit, I, I went to the Lord and I was like, okay, Lord, what is up with this? We had seven services. Okay, that is hardly any amount of time to build momentum, to build trust in a new community, to get to know people, for people to get to know us as new church leaders, for people to get to know one another as a team, to even build a team. I mean, what the heck? Seven services. That's not enough time to do anything. And now we're shut down. That was not my idea. And that was not our plan. But God was not surprised by this. Okay? And I'm sure in your situation, You've been navigating the last six months thinking, Lord, this is not how I envisioned this year. You know, this is not what I envisioned for my business. That is, this is not what I envisioned for my financial goals for my family. And I think sometimes we can be so focused on the natural storm and our natural circumstances that we can totally miss the supernatural encounter with God that He's got planned for us in the middle of the storm. And listen to this story. I was encouraged by this as well in Matthew 14. This is the second chapter that I really want us to spend some time on. Okay, so this is an account that is repeated in three of the Gospels. It's also repeated in Mark 6 and in John 6. And so the disciples were with Jesus. Okay, they just went on a great ministry tour. They've seen the miraculous. They've seen Jesus do incredible miracles. They've just witnessed him feed 5,000 people with a little bit of bread and two fish. Okay, so they've witnessed an incredible miracle. Things are going, you know, fantastically. They are in the will of God. They are with Jesus for crying in a bucket. They are with Jesus himself. And what happens? Jesus sends them right into the storm. How crazy. Matthew 14 verse 22, if you want to read along, it says the following. Now they've just fed the 5,000, okay? It's becoming evening. And immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Okay, church, sometimes Jesus will make us get into the boat. We are in his world. We didn't do anything wrong. And he knows he's sending us into a storm, okay? So to go before them to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23, and when he had sent them away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Jesus knew the mission that was awaiting them when they get to the other side. So he was already, you know, 
the, the lake that they were on was not even in his frame of reference. He was already focused on the mission ahead, past the travel. Okay, so now when evening came, he was alone there. And verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. Okay, let's just quickly imagine ourselves in this scenario. We are in the middle of the boat. It is dark. Jesus said he is going to come with us. Okay, probably a couple of hours have passed now because they are in the middle of the sea and Jesus is nowhere near. Okay, the winds are tossing them. They're in the middle of the storm. Yes, they had a word from the Lord that they are going to do certain types of ministry on the other side. But where is Jesus now? They're in the middle of the storm. But in the darkest moment, just like Paul and Luke and the prisoners on the boat, when they had lost all hope, it says that in the fourth watch of the night, what is the fourth watch of the night? The darkest hour of the night, between 3, 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus comes to them walking on the water. Okay, this is a supernatural encounter in case you were wondering. Okay, and verse 26 says, When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, they were scared. And they were saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and he said to them, be of good cheer. In other words, take heart, have courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And here comes Peter. I love He's my favorite. Verse 28. And he says, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water towards Jesus. Okay. And verse 30. But when he saw, this is Peter, when Peter saw that the, water, that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased immediately. And verse 33 says, Then those who were in the boat came, worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What a crazy story. Again, all right, Jesus sends them with a word into the storm. He says, I will be there. We've got plans. We've got ministry. We've got things going on on the other side. But in the middle of the storm, they were so scared they couldn't even recognize Jesus when he was walking to them. They couldn't recognize the miracle that was happening in the middle of the storm. And just like the angel appeared supernaturally to Paul in the middle of the storm, Jesus appeared supernaturally in the fourth watch in the darkest hour. And he showed himself sovereign. Church, this is the point that I want to encourage you with. There is always an opportunity in the middle of the storm for a supernatural encounter with Jesus, where Jesus will come and he will show us that he is superior and sovereign to our natural circumstances, that he is above the laws of nature. He is above the economy. He is above any virus, any plague, any sickness. He is above any education system. Okay, he is above any government. He is above anything that we think can hold us, can destroy us, can get us off course. I pray that you will hear me this morning. Okay, he shows himself sovereign over the Lord, over the laws of nature, over the laws of gravitation. And he shows us that he truly is the son of God. He confirms who he is. Okay, it's an opportunity that he can show his glory. 
Okay, another translation said that he was going to pass them by. And I said to Johannes, why do you think Jesus would pass them by? I was like a little offended at that. I thought, why would Jesus leave them when he can clearly see that they're in a storm? And Johannes had such a great revelation of this. He was like, so his glory could be revealed. He wanted his disciples to see his glory. He wanted them to experience his miraculous, supernatural, sovereign power over their natural circumstances. And I pray that in this season, church, God would open up our eyes, that we would see him, that we will not be scared, that we will recognize him. Okay, how many times just in this journey of Johannes and I planting this church, and I'm using our example, but you may have your own examples. Okay, you may have your own testimony that you need to be reminded of this morning. When did you come to a place where all your hope was gone? where you thought it was the darkest hour when you thought it was the most impossible and the Lord came through for you. God has come through for us in finances in ways that you cannot believe. God has come through in resources. I mean, people giving us cars, different things of supernatural things happening in the middle of the storm where we could see no other natural way. Okay, church, there is always hope. I want to encourage your heart this morning. But like Peter, I believe we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come. Tell me to walk on the same water. Tell me to do the same impossible thing as you do. Okay, God is calling us higher in this season, church. God is calling us as we fix our eyes upon him to come up higher, to do the same impossible things that he did, to have a supernatural perspective in a natural season. Okay, and what happened? The moment Peter looked at Jesus and he had a perspective of the king. He had a perspective of his glory. He had a perspective of his identity as the king of the universe. He could do the impossible. And the moment his eyes drifted back onto his natural circumstances was the moment he began to sink. And Jesus wanted to encourage his faith in that moment. Number three, I believe storms reveal our foundations. Storms are big revealers. And as we've said throughout the last six months, different things that God has been showing us. Okay, God really wants to build our foundations. Where we are going as a church, we are not going to be doing the normal things that a normal church does. Okay, the prophetic word we have our, our church is signs, wonders and miracles. It is the advancement of the kingdom. It is souls coming into the kingdom. It is a mighty army that God is going to raise up to tackle the most darkest places in this world, in this nation, in this city. But if we are going to take kingdom, it's going to take force. It's going to take faith. It is going to take the right foundations for us to move in the supernatural. So God wants to make sure, church, this is now a time. This is an opportunity we have. If our foundations are not strong, if our foundations have not been built on the truth of God's word, now is a time that it can be revealed that we can see what we are made of. We can see what our foundations are made of and we can have an opportunity to correct it. We can have an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit in and to help us build. Amen. Matthew 7 says that we need to build our foundations on the true rock. Okay. On the foundations of the kingdom teachings of Jesus Christ. Because only then we can stand strong in a storm. It says that those who hear his teachings and does them, Jesus' teachings, and applies them to their lives is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the storms of life come, the rain and the winds, it will not fall. 
for it was founded upon the rock. Church, I want to ask us this morning, what have we built our foundations on? What have we built our trust on? Have we been trusting in the economy more than we have in the kingdom of God? Have we been trusting in our employers, in our jobs, in our businesses more than we have been trusting in God to be our ultimate provider? Have we been trusting in systems, in education systems, in political systems, in church or religious systems? Have we been trusting in traditions? Have we been trusting in different things, but not trusting in God? What have we been building our trust on? And in a storm, I find this interesting, especially in the journey with Paul and Luke in Acts 27. Sometimes the very ship, the very method that we thought was going to get us to the place where we were going to go, where God has prophesied, where God has given the word, will be shipwrecked. It will be broken. It will be destroyed. And then we think, well, we're not going to get to our destination. But God is saying, I've got a different route. I've got a different ship. I've got a different plan for your life. Amen. God can cause another method, another route to get us to our destination. Just because whatever you trusted in is shipwrecked does not mean we have missed our calling. It does not mean we have missed the promised land. It does not mean that we have missed the destination that God wants to get us to. It just means there is a detour. It means that there is a different timing. It means that there is a different thing that God wants, that God wants to show us, reveal to us, build to us before we get to that place. Amen. I pray that that encourages you this morning. Sometimes, and I'm one of those people where I love a good plan. I love structure. I love to organize and I love to know ahead. I need to see where I'm going. But even Paul, even this word that God gave him, that he was going to go to Rome and that no one would perish, that he will keep everyone alive, even though the ship will be lost. He didn't even know where the ship was going to get lost. He didn't know that there was an island ahead. There were still so many details that he didn't know. He didn't even know that the island was Malta. All he knew was what God had told him in that moment. And that's all that he had to hold on to. And I want to ask you another thing, church, about foundations. As a storm reveal our foundations. A storm will often reveal who is around us. And which community we belong to. And whether we have any community. And I want to ask you, and you know, I'm always talking about this thing of being planted being deeply rooted in one place because I believe there is so much power in that. Paul was encouraging these people on the ship in this season. Jesus was encouraging these believers in this season. These disciples. Who is encouraging you in this season? Are you planted anywhere? Are you in a community of believers where you can hold one another's hand, where you can be encouraged when your faith is low, God has not called us to do community alone. He's actually called us into community, which means more than one person. Okay, so I really want to encourage you, be planted in a community, be planted in a local church where there is good fruit, where there is good preaching of the word. If it's not our church, find a church where you relate and you feel like family, but don't be drifting in the season. Because the storm will, will drift you and will get you off course. You need to be close where people can encourage you with the word of God. And who are you encouraging in this season? 
okay? You might be strong in this season. You might be confident of the word that God has given you. But maybe someone next year is struggling. And I pray that when we are in a storm, Paul was not just focused on himself. He was focused on these guys. He was noticing that, hey, these guys are not eating. They're going to lose their strength. They're not going to make it if they don't eat, if they are not encouraged, because he saw that they were losing hope. So I want to encourage you in your foundations. Where are you grounded? James 1 verse 2 to 4 says the following. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So church, I want to encourage us. Let's build our foundations. Let's know that trials will come, but that it's an opportunity for great joy. It's an opportunity for our faith to be tested so that our endurance can build, so that we can have the grit to navigate the storm. Number four, and this is my last point, storms won't change God's promises for your life. Oftentimes the storm, as we said before, will destroy the vehicle. It will destroy the ship. It will destroy the natural plan or the idea that you thought. Okay, the plan you had for 2020 might not look the same right now. In fact, maybe there's no plan left. Okay, what we thought is going to get us to the other side is not there anymore. And then we get to a place where we are tempted to lose hope. We are tempted to lose our faith even. Lose our faith in God's ability to provide. God's ability to navigate us. God's ability to get us to that, through that storm to the other side. God's ability to deliver on His promises. And you know, God does not lie. The Bible says that God is not a God that He should lie. But all His promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So I want to encourage you. Paul said, it will be. I believe God. He said to them, take courage. I believe God. It will be just as he said it will be. So I want to encourage you, church. Hold on to the word that God has given you. A storm will not change God's promises. A storm will not last forever. Amen. And I want to end with this. It says that the storms ended. But what happened after the storm? What happened after the storm? Sometimes we just need to take our head out of the storm for a moment and look ahead. What happened when Paul got to the island of Malta? It says that the island's chief came and they were very generous to them and they hosted them and they were very hospitable. But the island's chief's father was severely ill and Paul laid hands on him and prayed for him and he got healed instantly. And at the same time, all the people of the island came and they brought their sick and all of them were healed. So what happened after the storm, in the delay, in the detour, ministry was still happening, okay? Miracles were still happening. The kingdom was still being advanced on the way to where Paul was supposed to go. When Jesus in Matthew 14 got onto the boat with the disciples, I think in Mark or in John where it shares the same account, it says that immediately when Jesus got into the boat, they got to the other side. But where were they? They were in, the Bible says in Matthew, they were in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the sea. So how did they get to the other side immediately? They were clearly transported. It was a miracle. Okay, It was an absolute miracle that they got there. There was an acceleration, 
that happened of the kingdom being advanced. And you know, this is something that I'm really trusting God for. And I know Johannes is trusting God for. We've, you know, we've had seven services and then it was lockdown. Then we moved forward a little bit with 10 services. Then it was another lockdown. Who knows how long the next one is going to be, okay, as this virus is seemed to be taking over in the natural. But we are holding on to God's promises for this church, for the kingdom to advance, for what God has spoken to us on the other side. We know that we are going to get there. We know that the kingdom is going to continue to advance. We know that miracles are still going to happen. Okay, God is going to accelerate. And here's the thing. Paul thought, or maybe Luke and them thought that they had lost a lot of time. Maybe the disciples thought that they lost time, that they lost resource. We think that we are losing something. But what can God do? God can accelerate. God can restore. God gives back. Look at Job. He lost everything. Everything. He lost family members. He lost children. He lost finances. He lost belongings. He lost everything. But God restored. And God restored time. He restored resource. He restored family. He restored all those things and He accelerated so that the kingdom can be advanced. And I want to encourage you, church. I really believe that God is going to accelerate in this season. Let's not doubt His word. Let's not doubt His promises. Let's not doubt what He has already told us. God can birth new things in a storm. The question is just, will we be open to it? Will our hearts be able to take courage and to trust in Him? And you know, there's this incredible thing that when you're in a storm, I've heard that eagles, you know, the eagle is often the bird that is the prophetic bird associated with the prophetic. And an eagle, what I've learned about an eagle is that an eagle is the only bird that loves a storm. I didn't know that. An eagle, let me tell you something about an eagle. An eagle loves a storm. An eagle is the only bird that will actually not try and hide or try and run away from the storm, but it will fly straight into the storm. Why? Eagles are fearless. They would fly into the dark clouds of a storm and they would actually use the winds of the storm to propel them higher, to get them to greater heights. Okay? They use the pressure of the storm to rise them higher so that they can get to a place where there is peace and they can get to a place where they would literally just glide without using their own energy. Did you know that? I had no idea, but I was reading through eagles this week and how, they, how their wings are actually designed to be in a locked position in the middle of a storm so that they can navigate and glide in the peace that is above the storm. Eagles know instinctively just to pass the storm that there is a higher heaven that there is a peace and a security, that there is a perfect hiding place, and they use the storm to their advantage. So church, just like the eagle is using the storm to his advantage, I want to encourage us in this season to take heart, to take courage. God has not forgotten about us. He's not left us alone. He knew about the storm. He knew where he was sending us into, and he's going to use it. If we allow Him, if we allow the winds of the Holy Spirit to actually propel us higher, for the storm to actually take us higher and get us to a new vantage point so that we can see clearly, so that we can get to that place of peace where we can just glide without using our energy. I believe God wants to take us to that place. And so I want to encourage you and leave you with this scripture. 
Isaiah 40 verse 31. And many of you will know this. And this is often one of my scriptures that I really hold on to when I need hope and when I need encouragement. And it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says that hope is an anchor for the soul. So don't lose hope in the storm, church. God wants to anchor us, okay? That storm that feels like it's tossing us, it's going to break the ship, it's going to get us off course, it's going to destroy us. He wants us to anchor in hope, okay? And to soar like an eagle. So we need to trust in God more than ever before. And I want to encourage you. Johannes spoke about it last week. He feels that the Lord strongly is leading us as, as a church, as a corporate community into a fast in September. And a fast is simply a spiritual discipline with great power to get closer to the Lord, to seek the spiritual realm over our natural circumstances. And it has great power for us to really hear God's voice clearly in this season for where we are heading. And so he will share more information in this week to come. But I want to ask you to really pray into this, really seek the Lord, really come on board with this. You know, if you're new to it, it doesn't matter. You can start where you are, but just be part of this corporate move of the Holy Spirit as we seek him, as we seek his face, as we seek to find that place of peace above the storm. And I want to pray for you as we just end the service here this morning. Why don't you just close your eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to come and minister to your heart this morning. Father, I just want to thank you for the power of your word. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present with us. And Lord, I pray over every family watching, over every person, every dad, every mom, every child, every businessman, every businesswoman, every child of God, and maybe even someone who is wondering about faith and wondering about Christianity. And I want to pray, Holy Spirit, through the sound of my voice, that you would supernaturally touch people where they are at right now. Lord, I pray that you would release your peace that is above all understanding into everyone's storm right now, into everyone's situation. And Father, I pray that you will open up our eyes, that we would firstly understand that storms are a reality of this journey, but that your word says that we can take heart because you have already overcome the world. So I pray that as our hearts go into peace and as it is encouraged this morning, that you would open our eyes to see you in the storm. I pray that we would see the supernatural power of God at the work in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would see you walking towards us on water and that we would leave the comfort zone of the boat that we are in and that we would walk on water with you. Lord, show us what we need to do in this season. Show us what we need to throw overboard. Show us what we need to let go of. Show us if there are any foundations that are not built strong in our lives and how we can build them strongly. Lord, take us deeper into your word. Take us deeper into your spiritual disciplines, Lord. Take us deeper into your presence, Father, as we seek your kingdom and as we hold on to the anchor of hope in this season. And Lord, I just want to pray a blessing of peace and a blessing of your love in this season over every single person watching, over our church community. And Father, I pray that those of, who have really experienced loss whether it's lives, whether it's family members, whether it's in the area of health or finances or business 
or in their journey with you, Lord, or just lost hope or confidence. I pray, Lord, that you would come and restore, that you would help us to get back on track on this journey and to renew our faith in the hope of your word like never before. Lord, I ask that you would release the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us, baptize us with your Holy Spirit afresh, Lord. Because he is our teacher, he is our counselor, he will remind us of things that you have spoken to us. He will lead us. And I pray, Father, that every single person would just really sense your presence in this season, that they would know that they are never alone, that they are never forsaken, that you are always with us. And Lord, we praise you in the storm this morning. We thank you that despite what we see in the natural, you will get us onto course. You will get us to our destination. And Lord, you will do everything that you promised you will do. So Lord, I just thank you for open doors. Lord, as we step out in our comfort, out of our comfort zones, I thank you, Lord, for provision that's going to come. I thank you for health that is being restored as we speak. Healing coming into people's bodies as I speak right now. Supernatural power of God manifesting in whatever way, shape or form we need to see it manifesting in our lives. And Father, I thank you for this community. And Lord, I pray that you would grow us as a church. Lord, that you would accelerate, Lord, what we feel we have lost in time and in purpose and in momentum, Lord. That you are the great restorer. You are the accelerator. You are the king of kings. You are above the natural laws of this world. And we just give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. And may your glory be manifested in us and around us as we encourage one another, as we move forward and as we head into the the rest of 2020 with our heads held high, Lord. And that we would not even smell of smoke after this fire. We thank you. We praise your name in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, we pray that you will have a blessed day today, church, and watch out for social media in this week to come. And um, let us know if there's anything that we can pray for you. We love you and God bless.